May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's our epistle lesson today from 1 Thessalonians 3 that serves as the focus for the sermon this morning. There's an old saying that goes, a wise man learns from somebody else's experience. An ordinary man sometimes learns from his own experiences, and a fool learns from nobody's experiences. Over the years, needless to say, I've most often been a fool, failing to learn from anybody's experiences in life. At best, maybe I could say I've been an ordinary man, sometimes learning from my own. But as I've gotten older, I have picked up some wisdom along the way, learning from both my own experiences and those of others. And I was reminded of some of the pieces of truth that I've picked up through the years as I was reading through 1 Thessalonians 3. I want to share them with you this morning. First is that our darkest hours don't always occur in the middle of the night. And oftentimes during our darkest hours, we find out who our truest friends really are. And when we've established those true friendships, find out who our true friends are, and we find ourselves separated from them, we find that we really, really miss them. We find out just how much we really love them. You know, sometimes the darkest hours can happen right in the middle of good times. What I mean is that there doesn't always have to be a progression of bad things that lead up to our darkest times. Perhaps you've had those moments. Perhaps you've had those moments where things were going well and you got blindsided by something that robbed you of the hope that you had. Or maybe things were going bad and something good happened to you that gave you that hope that thought you were coming up out of that rut you've been in only to have it robbed right back from you all over again. Maybe you've been there. And in our darkest hours, true friends will not be ashamed of us. They will not abandon us. They will not stop encouraging us or building us up and supporting us. And then you know, as you end up with that good friendship, and maybe you've had those over the years, you find yourself separated from them and missing them. But true friendships will not let a little thing like distant separation suffer. So, you know, as I've discovered these little nuggets over the years, I've stopped to wonder at times, what really makes a true friend a true friend? What are the ingredients behind a true friendship? I understand what causes dark hours in our lives. We live in a simple, broken world, and sometimes the darkest times in our lives are from our own doings. But what, what causes somebody to be a true friend to somebody else? It wasn't until I became more familiar with the Apostle Paul that I started to realize what makes a true friend a true friend. You see, the Apostle Paul, if nothing else, is, is committed. Commitment, right? That's sure a for, foremost characteristic of friendship. Paul and Silvanus showed commitment to this church in Thessalonica. They had made a trip there after visiting Philippi where they had been persecuted greatly and kicked out. They go to Thessalonica and they spend, as is most common, their time in a synagogue there, teaching. They've had some, some converts, some Jewish, some Greek, but they were only there for about three weeks before they too ended up somewhere else. 
See, the Pharisees didn't like what, what Paul was teaching there. And they formed a lunch mob. And they went to this man named Jason's house. And Jason secret, secreted Paul and Savonis and Timothy off to Berea. Not there very long. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out here about this, right? For a fledgling church like the one in Thessalonica that had just sprouted up, who had just received the gospel and a leadership in Paul, a stabilizing force, this could be damaging. To have something given to you, hope brought to you, only to see it snatched away in a brief period of time, this could be damaging to them. And on the surface, it would seem like maybe Paul isn't the best of friends to these Thessalonians. But as we see in our epistle lesson today from 1 Thessalonians 3, we find that this is far from the case. Paul is separated from the Thessalonians, but he longs for them. He cares about them, even though he met them for a brief period of time. How can somebody who only met somebody else for a short period of time have this great concern and longing for them? How can he be so committed to them? Well, I think we need to first understand who Paul is and who first Paul is committed to in order to understand why Paul can be committed to these Thessalonians. In Galatians 2, uh, chapter 2, 21, Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knows what's at stake. He knows the grace that God has shown him. He knows that he's been set apart for the gospel. Paul lives his life for the Lord and desires others to have what he has. So knowing where Paul first is committed, then it helps us to understand why Paul himself is committed to people like the Thessalonians, even though he wasn't with them very long. And while commitment is one characteristic of true friendship, Paul also shows a few more. True friends are not ashamed of each other, right? I don't care what you look like or what you've been through. I'm going to stand by you. That's a mark of a true friend. And Paul's not ashamed to be associated with these fledgling Christians in Thessalonica. And apparently, the converted Thessalonians are not ashamed of Paul either, despite the fact that they're being persecuted. And this is evident in the fact that they're both praying for one another, and they're both supporting one another, though they're separated. This too can go back to Paul being a true friend of the gospel. It's more what Romans 1.16 says. Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and then to the Greek. So Paul's not being ashamed of the gospel, then also helps explain another couple of characteristics that Paul has and displays. Concern and encouragement. Just a few verses prior to our epistle lesson today, Paul states this, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would have been in vain. He's separated from them, but he's, he cares about them. 
Not just about their physical needs, not just about their emotional needs, but about their spiritual needs. I'm separated. I'm separated from my best friend by distance. I'm going to write, I'm going to pick up the phone. Paul didn't have those things, right? But what does Paul do? Paul tells Timothy, go check on this church in Thessalonica. I want to know how they're doing. I want to know that what I've taught them is taking root in them. Now, there is a side benefit to all this too. When Timothy reports back to Paul that the church, this fledgling church in Thessalonica is, is doing and flourishing well and is rooted in love, that brings comfort to Paul amidst his own afflictions and persecution. Paul knows now that his labor hasn't been in vain. Paul knows that these people are rooted in Christ. These people who, who he can't support right there in front of him, but they have that hope. And then Paul's also exuberant. He's praying for these Thessalonians day and night. And he wants to see him again. And he learns then that the Thessalonians feel the same way about him. Aren't those in marks of true friendship, encouragement, love, compassion? A little thing like distance isn't going to break that friendship, is it? And you know, there are some great, these are some great characteristics of a true friend. But all these characteristics that Paul displays are driven by one greater, the greatest characteristic of them all, and that's love. The greatest driving force there is. Paul and the Thessalonians' commitment, concern, and encouragement from one and more is born out of love. A holy love, one that's rooted in Christ. It's this love rooted in Christ that makes Paul so passionate about being a true friend, first to the gospel, and then to those that he proclaims the gospel to. It's a love rooted in Christ that's now taking root in the Thessalonians. How important is love and friendship? Consider what Christ says in John 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down their lives for his friends. You are my friends if you do as I command. And then Paul says himself in 1 Corinthians 13, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I have nothing. I am nothing. That's how how. how passionate Paul is about proclaiming love, how understanding he is, how great driving force this love really is. It makes Paul concerned for others. It makes Paul rejoice in thanksgiving and causes Paul to offer encouragement. It also makes Paul very, very passionate about what he does, so much so that he has exuberance in what he writes to the Thessalonians today as he tells them that our God and Father himself Our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound for one another in love and for all as we do for you. Oh, that we would be true friends like Paul. Oh, that we would be as passionate in our callings as Christians as Paul is. What if we modeled through our teaching, proclaiming, proclaiming, praying, personal Bible study and our commitments for one another to those around us, the kind of love that Paul displayed. 
What if we were as passionate in our callings as Christians as Paul is? Maybe more relationships might be established. Maybe comfort might be found in, in dark hours. Maybe love might abound in the communities around us. Not just any love, but God's love. What if we strove to not give up so easily in a conversation with somebody that we feel too difficult? What if we strove to not back down from those social disorders that occur in our society today? What if, we, what if we decided not to back down with somebody who's getting picked on, who's being oppressed, who's being hated by others? What if we decided not to let go by the wayside those things that build up our Christian faith, like Bible study, like fellowship, like worship, like praying for one another? Maybe if we did those things and were as passionate as Paul, we might see God's love bubbling up and changing us in our lives. Maybe we would see whole communities changed and transformed. Oh, to be as passionate as Paul. You know, maybe if we did all these things, we might see God's grace and his joy and his happiness changing darkened lives into lightened lives, changing dark hours into ones filled with passion and joy for the Lord's work. And you know, I saw recently in my own life an example of somebody passionate about their faith. And for me, it was a moment where I transformed from being a fool to being a wise man. It was a teaching moment for me. Now, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating, but I'm certainly not afraid to admit when I need to learn something. And I'm not afraid to admit my own shortcomings. So we had a party, a birthday party for my wife a few weeks back, which is kind of odd because at our age, we really don't celebrate birthdays in a social way anymore. I wonder why. But anyway, so we had this party, and we had all these people over, neighbors and friends from church and everybody else. And and one of my good friends from this congregation was sitting on my couch watching the Georgia LSU game. And he was sitting next to my neighbor, who I'd lived next to for about three years. Now, they didn't know one another. But my good friend from this congregation started talking to him about football and life in general, and then complimented my neighbor on how well-behaved his children were being. And then that led my friend to ask him where he went to church only to find out that my neighbor hadn't set foot in church in 20 years. And the conversation didn't start there. The, the, the passion that was welling up in my friend led him further into this conversation with my neighbor and opened a door, a conversation about God. My friend had done in one hour what I had failed to do in three years, build a relationship with somebody. Build a relationship and open a conversation about God. And you know, I think that when I look back on that, it was a great learning experience. It was a reminder for me, again, about how much passion we need to have in our callings as Christians. And I think that Paul models for us a very profound thing, that very profound thing that we need to be more passionate about our callings as Christians, but a passion that is born out of God's love. 
It reminds me of the, the great English actor, Charles McCready, who was once approached by this preacher. And this preacher came up and says, I want you to tell me something, Charles. What's the difference between you and I? Night after night, you go out and you proclaim this great fiction on the stage and these great crowds come and follow you. And here I am, day after day, proclaiming an unchangeable, unshakable truth about God and I barely have anybody showing up for it. And Charles says, I'll tell you the difference between us. It's this simple. When I go out, I present my fiction as if it was truth. But you, you you present your truth as though it was fiction. It's passion. It's love. It's being on fire for for God. And that means, my friends, that we first need to be a friend of the gospel and let it change us. We need to take a stand Standing in God's truth and have his love change us. And then we can go out engulfed in his love, his abounding love that, that we see in the sacraments and in his word, changed by it to go out and present it to others. Because it's only God's love that can make us believers, that can change us and proclaim it. We need passion, we need energy. Think about how passionate God is about us as his creation. So passionate that he would not let us be separated from him eternally. So passionate that he sent his son Christ Jesus down here on our very level to model for us what true love looks like. That's love because God is the model of love. And you know, we need to be rooted in that love. Because I'm going to tell you this, when we're rooted in true love, it changes us to become true friends to other people in this world that need that love. And true love, or love rooted in Christ, is the only way that we endure in this world. It's the only way that all of God's creation can be wrapped in that love. And so I pray, I pray not only today, but all the days of our lives, that God's love would abound in us, that it would change us, and that it would send us out into this world, helping us to passionately proclaim to others and model for others the way that Paul models. May we be true friends to the gospel, and may we be true friends to each other in this world, as God is a true friend to us. And to God be all the glory. Amen.